Hello and welcome to the first Infinitum podcast. Hello, my name is Gary and I'm part of the Infinitum team. I've been on this journey for just over a year now. I'm usually working behind the scenes on things like the website and the app, or as Phil Wall so affectionately calls them, all the geeky things. Um, we're so excited anyway to share our first Infinitum podcast with you today. and uh, We're pleased to welcome you, whether this is your first introduction to Infinitum or it's something you've been a part of for a while now. It's important to know that Infinitum, first and foremost, is a way of life. It's not a program, it's a journey of intentional depth. And one of the most important parts of that journey is that it's shared. And that's why we're starting this podcast. We hope it's a digital space to hear and share with others on the journey, and that it's a place of conversation and insight from around the world. This month, we're starting with a conversation between two Infinitum founders, Danielle Strickland and Phil Wall, to explore the question, why Infinitum? I'll let them introduce themselves, but it's important to mention that when I sat down with them to record this podcast, I explained we were looking for about 20 minutes of conversation. Three hours later, I finally stopped the recording, which means a few things. Like, Firstly, I'd made probably one of the worst wrong time estimations for arranging to meet my wife, having said, I'll see you in about half an hour. That didn't go down too well. Secondly, I learned that Phil and Danielle can talk for a very, very long time. But thirdly, and probably more importantly, in these hours we've managed to capture a conversation of significant depth, wisdom, and just insight across the Infinitum life from these two experienced leaders. And so it's a privilege to share with you the start of Why Infinitum with Phil Wall and Danielle Strickland. Well, uh, welcome everybody uh, to um, the first Infinitum podcast in all of human history. It's great to have you here. My name is Phil Wall. Um, I've been a follower of Jesus now for 33 years and I uh, spend my life these days doing two things primarily. Number one, I run a business. I'm a business psychologist by training and spend most of my time uh, working life, which is about 70% of my actual time, um, coaching leaders and organizations in, um, in the financial services industry, retail industry, media industry and elite sport. And then the other part of my life is spent raising money for a charity called We See Hope that uh, Wendy, my wife, and I uh, were privileged to be involved in starting uh, back in 2000. So let me uh, introduce you, one of our um, uh, kind of partners in crime, um, Danielle. Yeah, so I'm Danielle Strickland. I'm a leader. I work with the Salvation Army. I write some books. I speak around the places, uh, around the world, and I'm involved in some other sort of justice initiative type stuff. Um, I'm a big fan of Kingdom Come. I've been a follower of Jesus for uh, 25 years uh, around. <laughs> I'm really big on dates. And um, and I've been part of this Infinitum journey, yeah. uh, journey into depth. So welcome to the podcast. We're yeah. kind of excited to get this boundless activity off. Well, I think that's quite interesting because it's, um, and we're sitting here in a, in a chalet at a, a Christian camp. Uh, and actually already in the, in the other things we've done uh, before this, um, we've been, different questions have been raised for us because we're very early on in the yeah. story. Yeah. But just to try and give you a little bit of background to understand where this came from. I mean, there's a number of conversations took place over about a 12 to 18 month period between uh, Danielle, myself, Stephen, her husband, and Ian Mayhew, who are the kind of founding um, members, if you like, of this community. Um, we were noticing a number of things as we, as we travelled around the world. Uh, and uh, Danielle and I particularly have a, the privilege of travel and get to see uh, the church at work in all sorts of different contexts. And there were a number of things that became evidence to us. Number one, there was this 
aching journey of a framework, a means to go much, much deeper in terms of our relationship with Jesus. Um, activity is important. You're listening to two militant activists uh, on this podcast. But actually our perception is, as we talk together and as we listen to some of the people we respected most around the world, it was actually the church's greatest need is not more activity or more mission or more giving or more compassion, but actually greater depth. Because once people are deep people in terms of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, then out of that depth flows all of those other things. And they flow out not as duty or as a burden or as a responsibility, but they just flow out of a life of thankfulness to Jesus for the amazing things he's done in our life and the calling he's put upon our lives. So first, we, we just can keep bumping the people out. I'm just this consumptive version of Christianity that we, people like me, people like Daniel, we've helped kind of create um, that's not enough. I want something deeper. The second thing was, for lots of people, particularly I suppose in my own world, uh, in the business world, is people saying, you know, I love going to church, I love being involved in Sunday, but actually I need a framework of thinking about my faith and understanding my faith and applying my faith that works Monday morning to Friday evening in the workplace. You know, the front line in terms of mission in the world, you know, is not Sunday morning between 10.30 and 12. The front line's Monday morning at the school day or, you know, uh, you know, lunchtime in the office or the university or, you know, whatever community you spend the bulk of your time in. That's the front line. And um, so we also wanted something that we felt would, in this kind of increasingly fragmented culture of ours, uh, would be a unifying force and give people something like a gathering together in part of a community that could make sense of a militant deep faith uh, in, that, uh, in that context. And it's really interesting about the kind of life that people are leading these days, you know, Somebody describes Starbucks as kind of, you know, it's a lifestyle in a cup, you know, because um, life is changing. Christian faith is, and Christian discipleship particularly has been based around a geographic um, uh, parish system. Whereas, of course, these days, particularly for urbanites like us, you know, life is on the move. It's frenetic. It's eclectic. It's really diverse. It's social. Uh, and it's obviously it's increasingly digital. So we tried to find a way and try to articulate something which might meet the need of people who live that kind of life and really want to live their lives with deep intent in that environment. Another third thing was just a gathering point, you know, um, to have something that was rich and deep that was community building and community focused and that people could gather around and say, actually, I'm on a journey with this community of people and together we're going to see God change the world in us and through us. And so it's it was funny. those conversations that we began to have. Sorry. It's funny, you know, yeah, we had more, though, because it's, it's kind of an interesting thing because we're, we're part of the same exact journey and we have kind I'm of... I'm older, so I'm going to forget, obviously. You know. No, no, we just have <laughs> different versions and also just different kind of things we were aching for. Like, for me, one of the things I kept finding uh, really disconcerting was just the amount of leaders, a lot of, a, a lot of amazing, talented people that had started out on the journey that were no longer on it. Yep. And uh, I was asking some really hard questions just after being on the journey this long for myself about, am I going deeper or is this some experience that I once had and I'm just kind of riding the, the fumes of that or is this fresh for me every day? Is this actually working for me every day? Am I really following Jesus or is this just a bumper sticker I, I, uh, I sort of ascribe to and then just get on with my uh, life? And so there were these sort of questions of depth in my own life uh, and in people that I really admired and um, aspired to be more like who actually I found out weren't really uh, that deep, uh, you know, after all. And uh, once the veneer and sort of some of those things. So, and then also the amount of leaders I talked to who have no safe places with regular uh, 
deep spiritual conversations. You know, I, I mean, I would talk to people about this infinitum thing, a meeting with somebody and talking through, you know, this is what's on my mind this week, or this is a temptation I'm struggling with right now in my life. And leaders will just look at me with these wide eyes saying, you like, what? I have no one I would ever say that to out loud. You know, I remember talking to somebody and saying, you know, I was sharing this and they just were like, I would never. And I realize there's so many, especially Christian leaders, because we've ascribed to this weird idea that they're uh, perfect <laughs> and we forgot they're humans and that we're all actually following Jesus together and that this is a practice and there's going to be seasons and different different things that come and go in our lives. And so many people just don't have places of of intent where they can share that journey with other people. So I just realized the loneliness of leadership. I think for me, I've been really transient in my life and that's just the nature of my job and what I do. I move. And so relationships are hard to sustain. And, uh, and then also just this vacuum in our current culture of depth of relationships. So I have movie buddies or I have, you know, people I catch up with for coffee and we talk about the, the details of like, you know, raising kids or things like that, but actually, getting to places of how's your walk with Jesus? Like what, what does a spiritual conversation even look like and how do you hold one and have it without everyone feeling awkward and weird about it? Um, and that's something that we discovered is a deep need in our culture of cultivating spiritual relationships. Two things said by two friends of mine, actually two women at the church that I go to. Um, one is my friend, Claire. Uh, Claire I've known for many years. She's a friend of mine. Uh, she's now, uh, I think she's just 40 now. And two fantastic young boys, very talented woman, very talented musician. Uh, and in uh, the days when I was working full time for the church, we would travel all over the place uh, with a group of people, um, you know, and she would sing and people like me would speak and preach. And it was just amazing. And full on in your face, dedicated follower of Jesus. And she gave a really candid and really fresh and helpful testimony a couple of years ago where she used this phrase which really stuck with me. She says, you know, he said, I look back to those days and ask, where have they gone? Here I am now, I'm running a business. I'm busy, busy, busy. I've got two boys that are always all over the place. And I realize that what I've now developed and what I now have is a middle age faith. Mm-hmm. And by that, she meant something that's safe, something that's pretty bland, something that's conservative, something that's just spends most of its time just sustaining it ears and not putting itself under too much pressure and just, it's sustained and just pretty vanilla. And, I thought about that a lot and think that's exactly the kind of thing that I have experienced as a you know older man um, in terms of that nominality of faith. Mm-hmm. And then there was another conversation I had, uh, which is with another friend of mine from my church, quite a bit older, and um, uh, June um, or Sister June, as we like to call her, she um, she uh, cared for her husband for over twenty years who suffered a severe stroke and uh, cared for him twenty four seven every single day. Uh, and uh, until he died uh, a few years ago. And um, I was asked to do the funeral. We didn't have full-time leaders at the time. And uh, so I did the funeral. And I went around the week after to see her. And uh, I was told that's what pastoral types do, and that's not what's most natural for me. But I went to see her after the funeral. I said, how are you doing? And she said two things to me that struck me. One, she said, well, I'm, I'm feeling a little bit guilty because I feel relieved that Dave's gone. I, I miss him, I'm grieving, but it's just... I said, June, you have nothing to be guilty about. You, you know... You have honoured your husband in a way. And so don't worry about that. And she said, but also I've been praying. I said, what have you been praying out? And she said, well, at least last week, now Dave's gone, I've been praying, Lord, Lord, what is the new mission you have for me? What is it now you have for me to do? June is 88 years of age. And June is still accelerating in faith. And when I grow up, I want to be like June. 
And personally, on a very personal level, as a 53-year-old man with three grown-up kids, I want to make sure that my experience on a day-to-day basis is something that's taking the trajectory of where June is going. Because when I grow up, I want to be just like her. That's fantastic. And so I guess also we have a, the folks that were part of the founding team. Uh, we're all kind of disciplers. We've, we've run mission schools. We've run training centers. We've like spoken and done workshops and we train leaders and we started training leaders of leaders. And we're just kind of like uh, we got our heads together and just shared what the best practices were. Like I remember having one conversation where we said out of all the things we've most done, what are we most proud of? You know, out of all the things we've done, what are the most proud of? And actually, the things that we are most proud of are the people who follow Jesus, the the disciples that we made. And we realized that if we could boil everything, the most essential thing of all the things that we do, even though we're busy and we've started programs and churches and mission groups and, you know, just on and on and on it could go, we realized that the most important investment we made in the kingdom of God is to make disciples. And so we decided that was worth investing in. And so we took sort of the best of what we've learned, the most intense things we've tried, the loosest things we've tried, and we kind of tried to come up with the best model that we ourselves followed so that it was something authentic and deep for our own lives so we knew that it worked for us. And then we just thought, what if we shared this? Like, what if we just said, this is the best? Like, we've been doing this for 25 years, intentionally trying, getting paid sometimes. Uh, You know, like, just really hired to do this. Uh, We're consultants to get other people to do this. What if we just took the best of what we know and made it available? And that was also, I think, a part of the dream was just this is actually the best investment of our resources, our time, our energies, our history, all the things we've learned. This matters the most. So I think... um... Well, I remember in the early days we started to talk about this and trying to answer the question, you know, Daniel said, well, what's the best look like? We, we kind of flirted with it. We had this little kind of fantasy thing around what, what's a religious order, you know, because that seemed to be really cool and everyone's talking around the new monasticism thing and, the, you know, a few years ago here in the UK we had a big Celtic thing and say, let's, you know, let's all walk around wearing robes and sandals. Um, actually, you are wearing sandals today, Daniel. Anyway, uh, we, th- we talked about that. Just like Jesus. Just like Jesus, exactly, exactly, <laughs> and that's where it ends. Anyway, no, it's not true. Um, so, but actually, as we talked about it, I said, well, actually, actually, what is it we want? What do you want to do? And we said, well, we don't want to start an organization. We don't do anything that's a threat to anybody or makes anyone feel insecure. We don't, we don't want to add more burdens or um, more uh, sense of responsibility to have. We just want to do something that's helpful for people that want to journey with deep intent. We just want to create something that's helpful. So, as Danielle said earlier, we just brainstorm together what's the best we've seen, who do we know, who can we learn from as we look back, you know, 10 years, 20 years, 1,000 years, what were some of the rhythms and practices and habits that were embedded in people's lives that really, really changed their world. And, uh, and so what we've come up with is a framework which we think um, gives uh, people the ability who are motivated towards living life with deep intent to do that in a progressively and deepening way. And so that's kind of how we get up to it. And we call it, oh, we call it a rule of life. We're calling it a way of life. Um, we're calling it all sorts of things. And that's not so much uh, the important thing. The important thing, it is a framework or an engine room to enable the people to live the life of Jesus with deep, deep intent. Yeah, so it breaks down. Infinitum is Latin for boundless, by the way. And we thought infinitum was complicated enough to make it hard to find on the internet and stuff. So that was cool. And uh, the internet, the website is infinitumlife.com, if that's helpful for people to check it out more. But 
um, basically it breaks down to it being about Jesus. You know, it has one vision, which is Jesus. And that just sounds very Sunday school. But ultimately, that's the point. And if it ever doesn't become the point, then you're off track. If you're ever part of an organization or a religious system or whatever it is that it's not actually just about following Jesus, then we think we've missed it. So this always is going to be about following Jesus. And uh, it has two virtues, which is what it means to follow Jesus is really love, which is love for God and love for others. Uh, We didn't make those up, of course. You'll find them in Matthew's Gospel. Jesus sort of summed that up for somebody else. And we thought uh, we we might not want to try to outdo Jesus. No, no, we thought we'd quote the guy. Uh, Quote the original source. Yeah, but again, Jesus is this, you know, Sunday school sort of like, okay, I'm going to follow Jesus and then love. You know, that's also, okay, good, we're going to love. So then what does that actually mean? And so we broke that down in sort of foundational principles or vows, we call them which is surrender, which is a life surrendered to the Lordship of Christ, and generosity, which is living open-handed in a closed-fisted culture, and mission, which is living a life of inclusivity to the, to the margins, to the outcasts, to the poor. Um, and we think that's what it actually looks like in real life to follow Jesus and to make love the, the aim. That's a fantastic explanation. Thanks. One of the things we realize we need to challenge in our society, obviously, is this kind of addiction, this uh, idol of individualism. It's a relatively new invention, culturally, philosophically. So one of the things that we say as we, get, as we talk together, one of the things we noticed in our own struggles, our own lives, and in the lives of others we've seen is, is this, this disease of isolation. And um, you know, numbers of the people, when Daniel mentioned earlier, I was just reflecting on some of the people I used to meet at conferences like this, who were the big platform preachers and the big platform worshippers, worship leaders. Well, they're not running the race anymore. They're, they're nowhere. They're not following Jesus. They're rarely married to the same person that they were married to at that point, and they're just they're out of the race. And we want things to be different to that. And so, the one of the reasons that often takes place, obviously, is because people find themselves isolated. So we've come up with this concept of hubs, and hubs are, aren't small groups. Some people uh, call those small groups hubs, but actually, it's a lot more than that. It's it's a framework, and it's the only framework in which um, the infinite life can be lived. And so you can't join, again, if you go to infinitumlife.com, infinitumlife.com, say in English, uh, you can find out all the hows and the whys and the wherefores. But uh, you can't join it on your own. Uh, I can't join it. Only we can join it. It's really interesting. In John chapter 13, Jesus um, was always really, really interesting in his discourse to his disciples, the final kind of words, the final things he's going to be saying before he's taken away and crucified. So, of course, he wants to pack into that discourse all the most important things. And... Um, and then, of course, you know, here are these good guys, good Jewish boys, and there Jesus comes out with this amazing line, Behold, I give you a new commandment. You can imagine the looks around the table at that point going, New commandment we got. <laughs> we've got, we've got ten, we know we like, we've got the ten commandments, we're good on that, we don't need another one. He said, No, I'm giving you a new one. Love one another. You know. Um, and they're going, what, What's the matter? He said, Well, you love one another. And he said, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And the interesting thing about the language, both in English and in Greek, is I can't love one another. Mm-hmm. Only we can love one another. Right. And at the heart of infinity is just that mutuality. That faith, the Christian faith, is always a team sport. If it's not, it's not the Christian faith. And so it's in the context of hubs in that communal environment of support and accountability and encouragement uh, that actually the infinite life is best lived. Now, can we just say too, this is a really interesting thing to me because on this journey, those of us who were part of that uh, initial team 
we all understood this because as we shared how we stayed in the game and stayed fresh with Jesus and kept getting revelation from Jesus and living lives, we all, this relationship, an accountable relationship, a spiritually based accountable relationship regularly was one of the secrets. So we were like, oh, everyone doesn't do this. Like we just, we had naturally done that because we found that's the way we stay alive in the game. But um, we realized that not only do and as we've introduced Infinitum and people have started journeying, we realize that this is such a hunger and a need in our contemporary culture. The people not only don't do this, they don't even know how to do this. So we initially, when we first started, we were just like, yeah, go get a hub. And everyone's like, what? Like, how do you, how do you find that person? What does that look like? How do I have the conversation? Like, how do I? So if you go to infinitumlife.com, you can even find like, uh, a whole like instruction uh, article just on like what a spiritual relationship is for example and I was just shocked because I was like you need an article to tell you what you know but literally this is such a need in our culture people don't even know what this is to have a connection that is spiritual that is deep that is relational that is mutual so it's not just about getting uh, or a program or a set time but it's actually about a journey together and then also you'll find a form that's about having a hub conversation which again just seems ludicrous because you're like really you need instructions on how to have a hub conversation but people uh, don't know how to do it they haven't done it and this uh, creates a shallowness of our Christian experience or an isolation which then of course we know leads to death because yeah. we need to learn how to love each other so we're literally those of you who are listening and wondering like how do I do this there's some of those things on the website and virtually what you need to do is if you're interested in trying this out is to find somebody and say will you be in a hub with me do you want to follow Jesus together do you want to give this a try and uh, register your hub and then begin to practice uh, the vows uh, to begin to actually put those into daily practice so there's three ways to practice infinitum and this is one of the things I think is most powerful about infinitum is the really the only way to do infinitum is to practice infinitum that's that's how it's done is to actually practice it so this isn't something just knowledge earned or a skill to get this is this is a practice to do so it's a daily conversation with God uh, every day we have a daily prayer uh, with the postures hand postures that I use every day it's been so powerfully great uh, in my own personal life with Jesus try them out uh, but to have a daily connection conversation with God and then to have a weekly conversation with a hub and that's a conversation primarily around spiritual relationship and accountability where you allow each other to ask each other questions about the vows and then finally there's a monthly uh, gathering information teaching podcast that's primarily through the website these podcasts are exactly for that um, so we can go deeper together as a global community uh, and then yearly, uh, we're hoping to have gatherings all around the world. So stay tuned for uh, instructions around that. You've been listening to Infinitum Podcast. We're going to be continuing that conversation in our next episode. And we hope it's been helpful for you, whether you're new to the journey or continuing this way of life. And either way, we'd love to hear from you. And you can reach us by email, contact at infinitumlife.com. You can connect with us on our Facebook page. And if you'd like to find out any more information, then head over to our website, infinitumlife.com. You've been listening to Infinitum Podcast, and until next time, goodbye.